Well, good afternoon. Well, that's good. You guys are warmed up. All right. Or as Pastor Jair said very well, good morning in the afternoon. So that's, that's a different way to approach it. It's good to see everyone. So good to be here together. You guys ready for the Word of God today? Awesome. All right. We want to welcome you. We also want to welcome everyone who's joining us online. It is so good to have you tuning in, whether you're catching this live or maybe you're catching this at another point during the week. We're so glad that you are with us. All right, a couple things on a housekeeping front I wanted to mention really quickly. Uh, number one, this was, I realized this morning was not in the announcement reel, and that was my fault because I actually had sent our team what needed to be sent. Uh, but for our young adult ministries, TCC Young Adults, which has just gotten started uh, this fall, we are actually, the next event is going to be on Tuesday the 11th, and we're actually taking a group going to the river at Canada Christian College. So that's a kind of a young adult focused service. Uh, we promote it quite a bit. My mom's saying, focus, mom, focus. You're there. Well, I didn't say young adults only. I said young adults focus. So my mom goes every week. So she uh, young adult focus, but it's really all ages are there. Thou, like literally a couple thousand come together. So they'll be going to that. So uh, that's going to be a Tuesday of the 11th. Make sure you get that. Secondly, after service, so immediately following service, it's going to be a little different today. I'm going to finish the message we are immediately going to move into a parents' meeting because we have some exciting things we want to share with you about kind of the direction and focus for really our generation's ministry, kids, youth, really into young adults for this coming ministry year. So as you guys know, uh, there's been some transitions. Pastor Jerry and Norma are moving into more of a role here on Sundays in service, but there's some real exciting things that are happening, some strategies that we're bringing into place as well. So if you are a parent, with either a youth or with a child that's in the program. We invite you just to stay. It's going to be 15 minutes. Pastor Sharon is going to be leading that. So if you just want to stay afterwards, you can leave your kids in kids' ministry for the time, and you can do that. And obviously everyone else, we're just going to ask today that, and we'll give directions at the end, but obviously just clear out quickly, hang out in the lobby if you're not going to be part of that meeting because we just want to share with you the strategy and the focus of what we are doing. And last but not least, I wanted to really take a few moments to encourage you guys regarding our upcoming Encounter Weekends. And so we have um, Women's Encounter that has come up, as you saw in the announcements, that's going to be actually two weeks away. So uh, two weeks, this two weeks? Three weeks, three weeks, sorry, yeah, three weeks. Three weeks away for the ladies, four weeks away for the gentlemen, and you know, it's funny, my, my brother had actually voice memoed me this week because we, we'll chat back and forth about things and so on. He's like, Bren, you know, I feel like he's like, we got we to gotta keep doing stuff to help people understand how powerful and how important encounters are. Because what happens is we get up, I say encounter, and you know, there's a number of different groups of people here in the church. So there's people who will be leading on the encounter, and obviously you're committed, you're bought in, you know how important it is. There's also people who've been on encounters before in one context or another, and so you probably have some, some context for what God can do even over a 24-hour period when you just give it wholly and completely to Him. And so you have some context because most of us just do not understand what can happen even when you just set aside a 24-hour period. And what we do is we have a team of leaders that actually are preparing now. So there's already preparations that are starting. There's prayer that is happening. There is fasting that is happening. There's a whole bunch of people. And the whole idea is to create a space for you to encounter God. And, and most of us just, we do not even understand when even we set aside 24 hours what God can do in our life. 
And we talk about the power of encountering God. God can transform you in incredible ways. We also talk about the power of encountering one another. There is so much relationship that is formed. You know, we pray together, we worship together, we break bread together, we pray. There's people who are ministering to you. It is just an amazing time for you to go deeper and for you to do it. And, and it's really life transformed. The other thing we talk about is you encounter yourself. You really get to God works on stuff in your heart. Because how many know we all have areas we need to grow in? Amen. Some of you aren't so convinced about that. We all have areas we need to grow. We all have areas we need to go deeper. We all have areas that we need God to move in our lives. And so I want to encourage you. Make this investment. Make this investment. Don't end up on the other side and you hear the testimonies and you hear the stories and you go, oh man, I, I should have gone. I, I wish I was there or I know I should have been there. You know, don't, don't, don't let the cost throw you off or just say that's an investment. It's an investment in your spiritual walk. It's an investment in community. It's an investment in what God's doing. Make the investment. And so ladies, we, we've got a bunch of ladies signed up already, but your due date for registrations or the cutoff is next week. Everybody say next week. And the gentlemen, it'll be the week after that, the cutoff for our registrations. But I really want to encourage you. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to do a few more things, maybe have some stories shared, different things from people. But I want to encourage you, make this investment, get on the encounter, get plugged in, watch what God's going to do in your life. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, today I want to do, we're going to just go to the scripture. I want to continue our prototype series. And so we've been talking about this for the last several weeks really through all of September, and now we're obviously into October. And we talked about a prototype is really some, several key things. Number one, a prototype is an original model. And so a prototype is an original model, and we really believe that God is wanting to build some things, and God is wanting to do some things here at Toronto City Church that, that can be a model. Something that is, is a strategy so that we walk in together, but it's also something that, which we move to the second thought of a prototype, which is really being an example. So God wants to do some things and build some things in us, but he wants it to be an example where we can be a blessing to other churches, where we can be a blessing and an encouragement to others around us. We also talked about a prototype was a new design. So we're looking for new things that God is doing. It doesn't mean we completely reject the old. Um, I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, we're starting to look ahead to 2023. Uh, we're three months away now. But uh, 2023 is going to be the 35th anniversary of Toronto City Church. And so it's going to be 35 years. It's also going to be the 10-year anniversary of the merge where Toronto City Church came together with Church Without Limits. So it's a big year for us. And so in that, there's going to be some different things we do throughout the year, reflecting and celebrating on where God's brought us, but also where God's taken us to. And so we don't want to reject our heritage, we don't want to reject our history, but we also want to look and be watchful for the new things that God is doing. And so we're looking for the new things. And then we also talked about how a prototype is essential features. And so we've really been focusing around this word essential. Essentials, the things that really matter. So we are thankful for where God has brought us from. We're thankful for what God has done. But we're also looking for where he's taking us to. We are looking for the essential features or the essential things that God wants to make sure that he needs to do in us. 
And so I actually want you to go with me to Acts 2.42 to 47. And we did it last week. I want to do it again this week. But I actually want us to ask us all to stand for the reading of God's word. So if you want to stand to your feet and have your Bible out, or it's going to be on the screen so you can read along on the screen. Uh, how many of you have? Uh, how many of you are kind of have the, uh, the old school paper Bibles? Just wave your Bibles at me. We've got some. I'm not trying to start a, a competition here. Okay, we got, how many of you got them on your screens today? You're a little more new. Okay, we got the screens. Again, we're not trying to start a battle between the two. That's totally fine. Whether it's paper, whether it's screen, we're going to read on the screen. Let's read this together. Acts 2, 42, 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have to be here. Lord, we thank you for every person that is here. God, for every person who's tuning in online, who's watching this online. Father, I thank you for what you want to speak to us today. Lord, I pray that it will not just be my words that come forth today, but it will be what you want to say to each person, what you want to say to each individual. Lord, I thank you that we are going to hear your word, that we are going to receive your word, but Father, we are also going to do your word. I think even as we're listening, we're going to be listening not just to get information, but we're going to be listening for application. We're going to be listening for how can I, what, what's God saying to me? How can I do this? How can I put this into practice? Holy Spirit, we welcome you today just to illuminate the scriptures to us, to make Jesus more visible to us, and that we would be transformed even through encountering your word. And so we thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, said. Amen. Amen. Well, feel free to grab your seat. So we're talking about essentials. Everyone say essentials. And if you've been tracking for the last number of weeks, you can always go online or get on the podcast and catch up on the messages. We've been talking about a number of different things that we believe are essential for what God is building, what God is doing here at Toronto City Church. The first essential that we talked about was the essential of prayer. Everybody say prayer. And we're so thankful. I'm excited. A couple weeks from now, we've got all church, another all-church prayer coming up. I think it's on the 14th. Make sure you're there. Make sure you plug in. One of our faith goals this year is to have at least 100 people involved in an all-church prayer, you know, kind of in one of the nights. And last month, we got pretty close. So make sure you're there. But we were talking about the essential, the importance of prayer. We also took some time to talk about the essential of encounter. Not so much just this weekend that we're talking about or focusing on, even though that weekend taps into these principles, but the point of encounter being where you are creating space and the need for us to meet with God, the need for us to actually experience God. We don't just want to know about him in our head, but we actually want to experience him in our lives. And when you experience God, it is transformative. When you experience God, it can change literally your entire life. As we talked about the, the, this essential of having encounters with God. And this essential of creating space and being a place for encounter. We also talked about the essential of radical generosity. 
Uh, Toronto City Church is here. and We've got an incredible heritage and history here at Toronto City Church of people sowing, people giving, people being faithful to the Lord in their tithes and offerings, and people really just being radically generous on so many different levels. And so we want to continue to build with radical generosity. And the last week, we took some time to talk about the power of community or koinonia. And so that was a really powerful time last week as we talked about. And if you weren't here, I really encourage you to listen to the message. I cannot reteach or re-explain it all. But just the power of community, the power of koinonia, the power of being together. And so what I want to do today is, it, I, it almost could be a koinonia part two, but I want to talk to you really simply today about the power of gathering together. This is not just koinonia. You can gather together and not see community or koinonia happen, but you're not going to see community or koinonia without being together. In this passage, the, the, the point that really jumped out to me as I'm preparing this week is it talked about how they attended the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And so we see that one of the key elements in the early church one of the key elements in the move of God that he was doing in this time that I believe is an essential element for us is the importance of gathering together. Everybody say together. Those of you who were here last week, you'll remember where I really pulled out of this passage over and over again. We see they were together. We see the, uh, the concept of together. That they came together. And this created and fostered a lot of different things. But it did create and foster this environment. But the fact was they gathered together and they came together. There was this devotion and this commitment to gathering together. And family, today, if you want to turn with me to Hebrews, as you, I just mentioned this, but turn with me to Hebrews 10, 22 to 25. There is warfare over us coming together. There is warfare. The enemy does not want you to be together with other believers. He does not want us together. And there is a spiritual battle over you coming together with other believers. There's a spiritual battle over us coming together. And this is actually something that we have to prioritize. It is something that we have to fight for, even in our world right now, in the culture around us. It's not even necessarily all bad things, but there is so much that pushes against us being together. And yet we see here in the scriptures, we see it in so many other places, God has called us to be together. You know, I was thinking about so much, even the last couple of years and all that we've gone through. In the first time, let's talk about Canada. During COVID, it was the first time in the history of our nation that there were Sundays and a whole stretch where believers were not gathering together. No matter, like you think of all the challenges, of all the difficult times, of all the things that we walked through, there was a never a time that we were not together. And that's not my main point of the preach, but what we're all kind of wrestling with, and I know we're having conversations as pastoral leaders and leaders in the body of Christ, is we're still kind of waiting to watch and see what is the kind of collateral damage of that season. What is, what is going on? But I'll tell you some things that is being noticed. We're noticing that there's many people that are not prioritized being together with other believers as much as before. I mean, there was already, to be honest, kind of a dip that was happening more and more. There was a change even from when I first started pastoring 20 years ago to even over that, leading up to COVID in, in people's mindsets and mentalities. Even think about my parents' generation and that generation and the commitment to being together. So watch it, but COVID ended up really accelerating. I remember I was in a conversation with some pastors and one who's a little older than me. He said, you know, I was really thinking about this because we're trying to say, 
It's not that often that we go through something kind of corporately as a culture where everybody faces the same challenge. You know, quite often you might go through a challenge or I go through a challenge, but they're kind of different, different times. But we literally corporately went through this challenge together. And, and, and you really can't think of too many times where everybody was facing the same thing. But this pastor was saying, you know, I started thinking about it. He said, I started thinking, when was another time where everybody was kind of going through this trauma, if you could call it that, this challenge time together? And he thought, well, the best thing he could think about was back to the Second World War. Because, again, there, and there's many differences, obviously, between the two situations, but it was something that was affecting everyone and was making an impact, and people were having to process and work through it, and obviously there was a lot of factors. So he said he talked to his mom, because she was alive, and he said, he started asking her, like, what do you think? How's it different from now and then? She said, well, you know one thing that was very different? She said, during that time, we always still got together as believers. Like, we came together, and, and even in that time, I'm sure, it was a time of comfort, it was a time of worship, a time of prayer. There's never been a time where we are not able to come together until this past season and what we walked through. And so we've been looking at that. And so all that to say, it accelerated some things. I think maybe for some of us, it, we have to be cautious. Did it, did it change our priority? Did it change some of our habits of being together? But we need to understand that in God's mind, it is so key and it's so important that we are together. Everybody say together. Let's read Hebrews 10, 22 to 25. And Hebrews 10, 22 to 25 says this. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, I'm sure many of us have heard at least part of this passage in some form or another. This whole part from Hebrews where it talks about not neglecting meeting together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. It, it, you know, it's it's kind of one of the go-to verses when we talk about the importance of being together, the importance of coming to church, the importance of gathering together. So a lot of us are familiar with that. But in going to that verse, I thought, you know, let me kind of scroll out. Let me scream back a little bit and let me kind of look at the verses around that verse. Because that's very important when you're studying the Bible. Look at a verse, but look at the verses before. Look at the verses afterwards. Look at the context of that verse because it's going to help you understand so much. And what I realized is while the Word of God is very clear that we should not neglect meeting together, the verses around it actually tell us why it's important. And they actually tell us what happens when we come together. And so I want to take some time this afternoon and I want to encourage you in the why. I want to encourage you in why is it important that we come together? Why is it important that you prioritize being at church on a Sunday? Why is it important that you prioritize some of these other things we do like an all-church prayer or, or a, an encounter weekend or a men's event or a woman's event? Why is it important that we prioritize connections and being together in a small group environment? Why does this matter? What does it do for us? And so let's take a word. The first thing that we see from this passage about it does is, is that when we gather together, it helps us draw near to God with a true heart and full assurance of faith. That's the first thing. So let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Family, there is something that happens when we're together that empowers us to draw closer to God in a way that we couldn't do it by ourselves. 
Now, am I saying this afternoon that you can't draw near to God by yourself? Of course not. Of course you can draw near to God by yourself. Of course, and you need to have your private time with God. You need to make sure that you're pressing in privately and you've got you know, that devotional time. You have your private times of worship. You have private times of prayer. But I think we're in a day and a time where it used to be a lot of people would gather publicly. You had to push them to really say, you need to do this privately as well. But now, we're not even having the consistency for many people in publicly. And I think it's important that there's something that happens when we're together. There's an anointing, there's a grace that enables us to draw near to God. There's a grace that enables us to go deeper in Him. You know, I started thinking about, and I was kind of, as I was preparing this, I started thinking back over my life and over my faith and what I did. And obviously for the last 20, 20, whatever, 22, 23 years now, I'm in a bit of an interesting context when it comes gathering together because I'm a pastor. I'm a leader. Quite often when I'd be gathering together with other believers, I might be leading the meeting. Quite often I would be preaching. But I really stepped back and said, I looked at it, even my journey, and I saw how often I had key moments of drawing closer to God when I was together with other believers. Come on, everybody say together. When I was together with other believers. I started thinking back to kind of some of the early days when I first really started drawing near to God. Um, I remember, I can't remember, I have this memory, I might have even said this a week or two ago, but I talked to this, but I remember one of the first times that I really started to realize drawing near to God was it was about between the ages of 10 to 12. And my parents would send me to this camp that would happen, it was down, actually a little closer to where I live now, uh, so kind of down west of the city. And, and it was this boys' camp, and they specifically did that. It was not a huge camp. I think there's probably 30 or 40 boys that would come together. And they just, there was some leaders and they'd really felt this is such a formative age for young men. Let's just get young men together. Not have necessarily girls there because, you know, by that age it kind of starts becoming a distraction or you're trying to look good for the girls. Or else let's just get together. Let's have fun. Let's do adventure. Let's do challenges. But let's also learn about seeking God. And I remember it was in those places I learned to pray. I, I learned to, to let God touch my heart. I, there were so many things that God did, but it was interesting because in those moments, it was when I was together with other people. And then I reflected back, I started thinking about in my teen years, I was really blessed to be involved in a youth ministry. It was based out of Christian Life Center in Ajax. Uh, the church is still there. I'll drop by every once in a while or I, I head by there. But I remember we had this youth group and, and God really was doing something very significant in the youth group. We'd meet on Wednesday nights and uh, you know, we got up to the place where we, we'd have like 150 young people there on a Wednesday night seeking God. And then we got very influenced and impacted by some of what was happening out of the Toronto Blessing. We also got very impacted out of the revival in Brownsville. How many of you guys remember the revival that happened in Brownsville in the 90s? I know I'm dating myself now. Some of you are like, I have no memory whatsoever of that pastor. But we got impacted by that. And I remember we'd have like worship. And it really was just pretty simple. It was worship and the word. We'd worship God. We'd have a message. But then we'd have altar times. We'd have times to pray and seek God. And I started to realize how much that forged me. I remember times where I, I'd be at the altar and you know, we just have this time where you have a message and then you come forward for a response. You come forward just to worship. I remember going on retreats and you know, I, just being on retreats and I just remember how powerful the presence of God would be and how powerful just God's power would be. It was it's one of the reasons why I'm so big on retreats and camps and especially parents, I'm saying with your young people, get them on these kind of things. But you know what I realized? In all these times of drawing near to God, I, I, there, were, there were moments, obviously I kept living it out in my personal life. 
But the majority of the moments I remembered that were high marker points, high mountain points, key breakthrough points for me came when I was together with others. And I actually think God set it up that way because we're part of the body. And there's something that happens when we're together. And part of when we're together, there's this grace and there's this anointing for us to draw near to God. I remember when we uh, started uh, Church Without Limits. So again, many of you are familiar with you know, my story, but I, I planted a church and it actually had started, um, well, I'll get into that one in another point. I'll tell my story. But I just remember we had these Saturday night services and, and we hit this one season. It was just so special where God was just moving and we just worship. And just worship, worship. We have a message. And then we'd go back and pray and worship more. We'd be there till like midnight. And uh, at St. Paul's in the Hill Anglican Church, you drive out through Pickering, you can see it up there on the hill. I was just, I have such great memories. I have such great memories there. I mean, the worship times, I also proposed to Pastor Sharon there, so I remember that too. My daughter was asking me, where did you propose to Bubby? So I'm like, you know, but, but it's just these incredible memories. And then we tear down all the equipment and we go to Eastside Mario's and eat wings and unhealthy food till four in the morning. I don't even know how I did that because I would not even be able to do that right now. But you know what? There was so many special moments of drawing near to God that happened together. Have I had personal moments of drawing close to God? Yeah, for sure. But I promise you there's been so many, and even some of many of my personal moments were actually fueled out of the moments because there's something when we're together seeking God. There's something when we, that's why we put this emphasis on worship. When we worship together. There's so, and so when you are committed to coming together, it empowers you to draw near to God. We draw near to God better together than we do if we're always just isolated on our own. Come on, everybody say together. The second thing that we see in this passage, so we see first and foremost it helps us draw near to God, but secondly we see hold fast to the confession of hope without wavering. The second thing that happens as we come together is it strengthens us to hold fast to our confession of hope and our confession of faith. It strengthens us to stay strong in our relationship with Jesus. It strengthens us to stay strong in things we're praying and we're believing for. I, mean, I won't get you to raise your hand right now, but how many of us were going through a week and you're starting to doubt something or you were starting to kind of let certain things slide or maybe there was even an attack on your faith and you were kind of struggling a bit, you know, being a Christian, following Jesus, and then you came together with some other believers and just something happened when you were together and it just put some strength back in you. It put some encouragement back in you. It did something in you where you left going, I got this, I can do this. Or God just spoke specifically to you in your situation. Or someone brought a word of encouragement. Why? Because when we're together, we strengthen one another to keep running the race. If you guys remember in Acts chapter 4, and I, I, I don't know if the team was able to fix it between services. I, I got this verse really late, so I didn't give it to them if it doesn't go up. But remember in Acts chapter 4, it's the early church. God's moving. Acts chapter 3, they see the man who was lame get raised up and all that. But then Acts chapter 4, they get pulled in by the religious leaders. And they basically get threatened. They get dressed down. I think they get beaten in that moment. And so they, they, all that happens. But let's read in verse 23. Verse 23 it says, And when they were released, watch this, they went to their friends. Isn't it interesting? When they were released. Now, when most of us have had a bad day, because, guys, this was a bad day. You know, sometimes we just read these stories. and Oh, yeah, they were beaten. They were threatened. They were told, whatever. This was a discouraging day. 
This was a discouraging moment. What do most of us want to do when we've had a bad day or we've had a discouraging moment? We want to isolate, don't we? We don't want to go worship. We don't want to be together with the people of God. We want to be smiling. Hey, God bless you. How are you doing? And you're just like, I don't even want to be here. What do we naturally want to do? We want to run away. We want to hide. We want to go binge on Netflix for three days. Whatever we want. We don't want to see anybody. We don't have to talk. We definitely don't want to have to minister to somebody or pray for somebody. And yet what they did when they went through a very real difficult situation. I think sometimes we take out the personal nature of this. This was discouraging. This was hard. This was probably a little scary. They just gotten beaten. Their backs are bruised and bleeding. But they said, we need to be together. So they went to their friends. I love that too. We let go back last week. We talked about koinonia, building real relationships with one another. So they went to their friends and watch what they did. And they reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, watch again what they did. When they heard it, they didn't complain when they heard it, they didn't just all sit there and kind of go, oh, this is really hard. This is... No, what they did, even though I'm sure they felt like doing that, but what they did was it says they lifted their voices together to God. Together. They lifted their voices. Guys, there's some times where it's going to be too overwhelming to pray by yourself, to worship by yourself, to try. That's when you need to get together with some brothers and sisters in Christ. You need to make sure you're there. Don't run away from God when it gets hard. Run to God. Get yourself. Don't sit in the back and hide out. Get right up to the front. Even though you don't feel like doing it at all, you got to learn. It's not about what I feel like doing. It's what I need to do right now. And they raise their voices to God. And they said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles, the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan are predestined to take excuse me, predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Now, why were they praying for boldness? Because they didn't feel bold at the moment. They didn't feel. They probably felt discouraged. They probably felt intimidated. They probably were bad in a lot of different emotions, but they said, you know what? We're going to get together. We're going to cry out to God, and we're going to ask God for boldness. And while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, and the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with all boldness. Guys, they went through something hard, but because they were committed to come together, the Holy Spirit came upon them all, strengthened them, encouraged them, and they just took it to another level. I promise you there's so much of this passage that happened because they were committed to being together. Are we committed to being together? Everyone say together. together. Number three, what happens when we're together? This passion says we stir up one another for love and good works. We stir each other up. Come on, somebody say stir it up. Yeah. I was thinking about this in my life. And again, it's a little different for me because I usually end up on this side of things. A lot of times when I'm in church, I end up preaching or I end up leading. But I was thinking back even to when I first planted a church. And basically what had happened was we had started, a lot of you will know the story, but some of you don't. We had started a, a Bible study for young people in my friend's motorcycle shop. And we were there for about three months, 
And then that ultimately grew into a youth drop-in center, and we were seeing a lot of kids come to Jesus. We had kind of rented a church out. We'd do basketball and video games, and then we'd set up the chairs and preach on a Thursday night. We're seeing kids come to Jesus. Good things. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this is awesome, but they need a church. Because I really believed in church, and I, I, I knew they needed a church. We got all these new Christians, and they need to go to a church, but I just wasn't sure where to send them or what to do. So I started thinking, okay, well, we got to find a church. I, I affectionately called this a youth group without a church because it was me, and I was you know, barely a, not a youth myself. I was 21 at the time. I mean, that, that year we took like a bustle, like almost 50 kids, we took them to youth convention. I had no, I was so young and dumb. I had no insurance. I don't know if I got permission forms. I mean, just about everything wrong you could do. I, I, but thank God for his grace and covering us. But we ended up going. So, but we're thinking, okay, we need a church. We need to find a church. So I, I, I remember even I started calling churches. And, but it just didn't feel right. I'm like, no, oh, this just doesn't feel right. And then I remember my mom and I, we'd be, uh, most days during those seasons, we'd get together and pray in the mornings and just pray over what God's doing. Mom's always been a great prayer partner for me. And one day she looked at me and she said, I think this is their church. Well, that freaked me out. Because I'm sitting there thinking about it. And, and you know, nowadays, you know, here... 20 whatever years later, it, it, it's not totally out of the normal to have a, a young person or a young couple start a church, lots of young people. That's kind of social media. You see all these different things happening. Back then, it was like around 2000. Uh, you didn't see any of that. So I'm thinking, I'm too young. I don't know what I'm doing. We have no money. This is a bad idea. Furthermore, everybody's going to think I'm a young punk who's arrogant and doesn't even want to join a church, but just wants to start his own church. It was terrifying. And so I wrestled with this over the next number of months. And we kept trying to find a solution. Kids kept getting saved, but I'm going, we don't have a church. What do I do? Like nothing's making sense. Nothing's clicking. And so that summer, I took a group of them to youth camp. Again, here's some power of being together. So we went away to youth camp. And have you ever been in a sermon where you felt like the preacher was talking only to you directly? It's like everybody else is just listening in and that preacher is talking to you. Right? I'm seeing some nods, some faces. You ever been mad? You're like, who told them my business? Somebody was talking to this preacher about me. Who talked to him about it? Well, maybe it was God. Right? So we get in there and... And I mean, to this day, I'm still quite amazed, even the speaker. So the speaker that they, in those kind of the camp, they do a morning session, which was kind of like a teacher, and then they do a night session, which is more like revival and fire. So the guy they brought in for the morning for this camp this year, and I was going just kind of taking some of the young people, was a guy named Billy Kennedy. And he was the youth pastor at the church in Southampton, England, that the music group Delirious came out of. Now, I know I realize more and more time, a lot of people are delirious. Delirious was like the first major Christian worship band that kind of broke through. They were the ones, like almost every, God, especially in certain genres, any worship band, if you check, oh, who, do you, who inspired you, who inspired them, you get back to Delirious. And so they came in, and on the second morning of this camp, group of teenagers he gets inspired to preach a message about how God is starting outside-of-the-box churches that are going to reach people that nobody else can reach. That was his whole message. I've never heard anyone preach that message ever again. I'm sure somebody does somewhere. But it was like I'm sitting there, and it's like he's preaching just to me because this is what I'm wrestling with. 
I mean, I was just that. And, but you know what? You would have thought that moment, okay, God. But even then, I, I kind of giddyed it. I'm like, okay, well, that's nice, but I'm still not sure. So then we get into the final morning, and he preaches a message on David and how David was called to take out Goliath, and God is raising up Davids in our generation who are going to take on Goliath. And David was considered too young. David was, his confidence in God was mistaken for arrogance, and he could not wear the older generation's armor. Well, again, it's just like, boom, boom, boom. Because I'm like, I'm too young. Everybody's going to think I'm a young punk who's arrogant. I don't want that. Like, I'm not trying to do that. And I couldn't wear the older generation's armor. Because to me, being a pastor, man, I had to wear a suit. I had to have the swoosh hairstyle. Come on, I think Zach Morris, late 90s. You know, kind of the... And obviously, I would have been very challenged as the years went on with that. Right? And I'm there, and I'm just thinking, I can't do this. And yet, God says, you don't have to wear the older generation's armor. Be who you are. Well, see, my point in all this was I was inspired and I was encouraged into good works, but it didn't happen with me being off by myself. See, when you're by yourself, you often wrestle with your doubts, but when you get together with other believers, you hear God and he encourages you and strengthens you to do what you need to do. But see, the enemy wants to get you by yourself. But God says, be together. Everybody say, be together. And so we stir one up to love and good works. Let me pick up the pace a little bit. We're going to land this plane. Number four, we encourage one another. When we're together, a lot of believers struggle with discouragement. I think one of the reasons many of us struggle with discouragement more than we should is because we're by ourselves more than we are together. Because when we're together, I thought over the years, I can't tell you how many times. It's been a tough week. There's been some challenging things going on. But I just come together with the church family. And man, just we're worshiping God, and it's like God's presence just starts speaking and touching you. Maybe there's a message. I mean, a lot of times, I'll I'll preach to myself without even realizing it. Sometimes even when I'm speaking, but you know, there'll be a word that is given. There's a conversation that happens with somebody. But what happens? I'm encouraged. But why am I encouraged? I'm encouraged because we're together. If you want to grow, if you're battling discouragement, get together with other people. Get get committed that we would be together. And one other thing I thought of this that was so interesting was encouraging one another. So often we only see this through the lens of, yeah, I need to be encouraged, so I need to come to church so I can be encouraged. Can I suggest to you to expand your perspective a little more? Yes, you need to come so you can be encouraged, but what about that person who needs to be encouraged by you? What about that person that if you come in and you're, you're, you're just, okay, Lord, we talked about that koinonia. How can I encourage somebody? How can I bless somebody? And see, it's not just what is this for me. But what if you had a rough week and you stay home or you didn't prioritize things in your home and God had set up for you to be able to minister or to speak life, to bring encouragement to somebody, but you didn't bother to show up. You didn't bother to prioritize. And all of a sudden there's this gap. And somebody goes, well, you know, but God could still fill in the gap. Yeah, God could still fill in the gap, but that wasn't his best intention. His best intention was that you would stand in the gap. But you can't stand in the gap and fill that place if you're not there. It's not just about you being encouraged, but it's how can I encourage somebody else? Do you know your worship can encourage somebody else? Do you know your engagement can encourage somebody else? There's so many ways that we can encourage one another, but it happens when we're together. Everybody say together. It happens when we're together. So we see in this passage, we see that 
When we're together, it helps us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. When we're together, it helps us to hold fast to the confession of hope without wavering. We're reminded and strengthened in the faithfulness of God. When we're together, we stir up one another to love and good works. When we're together, we encourage one another. One other thing I just want to pull from this passage is, it says, remember that the day is drawing near. When you talk about the day drawing near, that talks about the day of the Lord. It talks about the return of Jesus. It also talks about the judgment seat of Christ, where we will stand before God one day, and we will give an account for our life. We'll give an account for what we've said. We'll give an account for what we thought. We'll give an account for how we stewarded our lives. Did we serve him? Did we live our lives for him? Or did we just use him to try and make our lives better? All these things will come to light at the judgment seat of Christ. And the Bible says, actually, that your life is going to, in some way, I don't know exactly how this is going to work. I'm interested to find out. But it will pass through a fire and you will find out what you built in your life was gold, silver and precious stools, and, uh, precious jewels and what was wood, hay and stubble. And what brings it together and in that. And, and see when we come together we remind ourselves it's not just about the day to day. When we come together we remind ourselves one day we're going to stand before Jesus. We remind ourselves that there's an eternal reality to what we're doing. And guys, some of it's practical, but some of it is a spiritual mystery. It's just something about being together. There's an anointing that rests on us to help us continue to see the big picture. When you're by yourself, you lose sight of the big picture so quickly. But when we're together, everybody say together. See, 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The enemy wants you alone. Why does he want you alone? Why does he want you isolated? Because it's a whole lot easier to take out somebody who's on their own than to take out somebody who's part of a larger family and is together. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12, usually we use this in weddings or talking about relationships, but hear it in this context. Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they, fail, if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Guys, we don't always need each other. Like, I mean, some levels we need to be connected. But you'll have weeks where you're good. You're going to have seasons of life where you're good. Where good things are good, things are going well, life's moving forward okay. So you'll have time where you're good, but we are all going to have moments where we fall. We're all going to have moments where the enemy launches a spiritual attack against us or against someone. We're all going to have moments, and it's in those moments that if we have been investing and in cultivating and being together, we're going to have people around us to lift us up, encourage us, challenge us, pray for us. But what the enemy wants to do is he, he leave you alone. He even just no spiritual attacks, nothing. He's just going to keep working to get you isolated. Get you isolated. Get you into the habit of not prioritizing being together. Get you out there. And then at the right moment, boom, he'll launch the attack. At the right moment, boom, things will hit. But all of a sudden, we weren't investing in being together. The enemy says, you're fine by yourself. The enemy says, you don't need anybody. The enemy says, people are just going to hurt you anyways. Take care of yourself. It's all part of his strategy to get you 
isolated. But God says, do not forsake coming together. God says, you need each other. God says, be ready. You need to be encouraged. You need to encourage others. Who are we going to listen to today? Will we prioritize together? Or will we allow ourselves to be lulled into being isolated? Dr. Tony Evans said this. I thought it was a great quote. He said, I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And you're absolutely right. Salvation is through faith in Christ alone. But you also don't have to go home to be married. But stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected. Or I like to say it this way. Stay away long enough and let me know how that works for you. Everybody say together. So how, how do we practically put this? Like how do, how do we move forward with this? I just want to give you a simple example of, of this chair. This chair has four legs. Now because this chair has four legs, I can sit on it. And, and there's good bouncers. And now what, what would happen if you took one of these legs away? Right? How many know the chair would become a lot less stable? Now, I might be able to kind of lean and kind of balance myself. And I can probably hold it up on three. But any kind of movement, any kind of pressure comes, I'm going with it. Now, what happens if you take two legs away? Right? You got you to be in Cirque du Soleil or something to keep it up. That's, that's all you're going to do. Right? And what if you take three legs away? You're on the ground, right? I was out bike riding yesterday, and I had my first wipeout in a long time. I went right over the handlebars. Thankfully, I didn't get too injured. I was more embarrassed than anything else because, you know, I was riding down the road, and there's this car coming behind me, and I'm trying to get off the road onto the pathway. And so I took the corner too tough, and I think I hit something and just flew right off my bike. And so I first checked myself, okay, nothing broken. I'm like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Everybody just saw me. The person kept driving, too. I'm like, yo, you can at least see if I'm okay, right? Maybe they missed it. I don't know. But they're kind of, oh, look at that guy flying off a bike. Right? That's what is going to happen to you if you take all the legs off. Right? So, so what are these four legs that here at Toronto Sea Church want? Well, let me say really quickly. First, you want to build with gathering in a large group context. These times are really important. We worship together. We seek God. We encounter God. There's, we, we hear the word we realize we're part of something bigger. That really, really matters. But that's just one leg. That's not going to be enough if you truly want to follow Jesus in the way that he's called you to. The second leg is what I'm going to call, so I know it's a really technical term, but the medium-sized group. The medium-sized group, we try and build these where we have like a prayer night. We have a men's event. We have a women's event. We have different gatherings. Because what happens is, even those gatherings can look different, here, there's definitely some weaknesses. It's hard to meet people. It's hard to connect here. It can be kind of strange. So, so if we're just here, we can never really connect too much, go deeper, build deeper relationships. We just go there. But if you get in the medium-sized group, you kind of start meeting people. Oh, I saw you on Sunday. Oh, what's your name again? You start connecting with people. But even then, that's still only two legs. Because the third leg is our connections or our small groups. This is where you really start to go deep. This is where you start to put roots down. And you start to connect even more. And so we have that opportunity. And see, all of a sudden, you're kind of there in the large group. You're there in the medium group. You're there in the small group. And so you say, okay, what's the fourth leg? The fourth leg is the one-to-one. When's the last time you just sat down with a fellow church member? You sat down with somebody. You prayed for each other. You talked about what God was doing. You just connected on that level. 
It's amazing how many of us come for months and you never actually have a conversation like that with somebody. But what we want to do is we want to build togetherness as a church family. And we want to prize you. See, what happens for a lot of people, guys, and this is just kind of North American Christianity in many ways, is they come to church on Sunday and that's it. And then they wonder why there's not strength and stability. Right? Now, I'm glad you're here. That's an amazing step. But what I want to encourage you is if that's where you stop, God just has so much more. And so that we prioritize coming together. We prioritize small group. We prioritize, yeah, and it means we take risk. It means we invest time. It means there's relationship, but there's something that happens when we come together. And God is calling us to be together. Come on, everybody say together. If Emmanuel wants to come back, we're going to bring this thing out. We see this dynamic in the ministry of Jesus. He ministered to the multitudes he had his 72, medium-sized group. He had his 12. That was like a small group. He actually went down to three, but then we see him in a one-on-one context with people. We see him ministering to uh, uh, Nicodemus, who comes, and we see him in one-on-one conversations. You can see this dynamic in the early church. Peter preached to 3,000 people, or 3,000 people get saved. But then we see prayer gatherings, like when, when the disciples were beaten and threatened, and they came back together, and there was, there was a whole group of them, but they were seeking God. When Peter was thrown in prison, but the disciples were together and Christians were together and they were praying and they were seeking God we can see the small group and then we see the one-to-one when Paul writes Timothy he's writing to Timothy why because he knows Timothy there's this one-on-one relationship family we see this throughout church history we see where there was the power of gathering together. It looks different in different places, in different contexts, in different seasons but it's this commitment to being together Family, we need to embrace this, number one, because God asks us to. We need to embrace this because we need it. But we also need to embrace this because there's somebody that's going to walk through that door that needs you. There's going to be somebody that God's working in their life, and it's not just about what you're getting. They need you. There's somebody that needs the small group that you're going to lead. Because you're taking what God's done in your life and what you've walked through and the, the challenges and the journey and you're, you're taking that and you're, you're, you're going to them and you're saying, hey, I, I know what you're going through. I know what you're facing right now. They need you. And family, we need to embrace this last but not least because I believe of the days that we're coming into, we need to be a people of prayer. We need to be people who are committed to Jesus no matter what. And we need to be a people that are committed to one another. Because God's going to give strength and grace and God's going to give more than everything we need. But it's so much that is poured out when we're together. Everybody say together. In closing, can I read you Hebrews chapter 10, 22 to 25 from the message. And it says this. So let's do it. Everybody say let's do it. It's like a kingdom version of Nike. They say just do it. We're saying let's do it. Let's do it. We're in the kingdom. Come on, somebody say it again. Let's do it. Let's do it, full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. How many people want God to just do a deeper work in us regarding together? 
How many people want God to do a work in your heart regarding together? Here's why. So let's all stand to our feet just as we bring this to a close. And as I said, today's a little different. I'm going to pray. We're going to transition into that parents' meeting quite quickly. I don't know if Pastor Sharon is around and ready to roll. But what I want to ask you to do, I want to invite you just to lift your hands to the Lord right now where you are. I'm just going to lift our hands to the Lord. And what I want you to do is just receive from him. I'm going to pray over you because the Holy Spirit wants to do this work in our heart. It's not just a mental ascent. It's a work of the Spirit. But I want to encourage you, prioritize being together. God's calling us to a countercultural discipleship that follows the Jesus way that will often cut crosswise to what our culture is pushing us to do. And part of that is saying we're going to commit to being together. This is not consumer Christianity where it's just convenient for me, what's easy for me, what I like. This is part of following Jesus. And part of following Jesus is we do it together. Jesus called his disciples and he immediately called them into community. They didn't all follow him by themselves. They followed him together. And so, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus over every single one of us. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you today. Do this work in our hearts regarding being together. God, I pray that you would speak to each one of us. Say, we want to be doers of the word. But God, I pray that as we grow and just as we grow together, God, that we're going to be a church family that draws near to you together with the true heart. God, that we will always encourage each other to hold fast to our confession of hope without wavering because we're together. God, we'll stir one another up to love and good works because we're together. We will encourage one another because we're together. We'll remind each other that the day is approaching, that you are returning, Jesus, that we will stand before you and give an account, but we will do that together. God, I pray that none of us will fall into isolation. Even when things are hard, even though we feel like running away, we feel like isolating, we feel that we'll commit to ourselves, say, no, I need to be right there. I need to be, I, I, even though I don't feel it, I need to be together and I need to come together. And Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for each one of us, just do this work. Holy Spirit, just imprint this on our hearts today. And I pray that we will be those who are together and have this heart for this in the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed with me today said, amen. Come on, everybody say together. Come on, somebody look at a neighbor, look at somebody around you and just tell them we need to be together. Amen, amen, amen. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to just shut things down for today. It's a little bit of a hard close, but we want to just transition into the parents meeting. Parents, I'd encourage you to stay for the 15 minutes because the Pastor Sharon and the team are going to be talking to you about some really, just some strategies, some things we're putting into place. Your kids are going to be there in kids' ministry. They're okay. We're okay to keep them for an extra 15 minutes. But what I do want to ask, if you're not staying for the parents' meeting, don't do the I'm going to chill and talk for five minutes kind of vibe in the sanctuary. We've got a beautiful lobby. We've got a may You can stay there as long as you want to if you can just clear out of here. And parents, if you want to come forward closer to the front, just so we do that. But we love you. God bless you. Let's have an amazing week. Let's continue to grow in being together. Thank you, everybody who joined us online. We're so glad that you're here, but we love you. God bless you. Let's be together. Have an amazing week.